Welcome back to church. Thank you for tuning in. We're so excited that you're here. Um, we're in the second installment of the five F's. I mean, we we start off with friendship and today we're on F number two. And what we're talking about is finance. I know what you're thinking. Bum, bum, bum. Sit, back, <laughs> sit back, relax, right? Relax, yeah. open your mind and your heart because I believe God has something for you. Um, we have we have approached this particular podcast with prayer. Um, we've approached it um, with you in mind. Um, God's done some amazing things in our life through finances. Um, and I'm going to tell you, we're real people. I mean, we, we, we got a, we got a, between us, we have a bunch of kids. And so money is important. It's not, it's not more important than our God. Right. Um, but we're going to touch on some of the important things about finances, how we operate through finances. And I'm really excited um, for Jason to open up our world and our mind um, to something that really has revolutionized his life. Um, and what, and, and spoiler, it might be Bitcoin, which can, you know, can throw that be. Out there. you never know. <laughs> um, but we're so excited for this podcast, man. Jason, how you feeling today, man? I feel great. I am excited to share, um, whatever knowledge that I can, uh, as humbly as I can. So the, the, I think the only, um, asterisks I would put on the episode would be keep an open mind guys, because, I think this one will challenge people more than some mm -hmm. of the others. And yeah. that's what I'm actually excited for is hopefully if, even if just one person um, can realize the value of Come on. whether it's tithing, whether it's lack of anxiety over your yeah. finances, or it's this new technology called Bitcoin. Um, you're going to hear about it a lot. We, we could have buried the lead and kind of like tricked <laughs> you into listening to it. Right. Um, <laughs> But I think it's just, we want to be open and honest right away. Yeah. And I know Warren, you and I, um, we believe in the power of finances. Come on. But not the priority. Come on. To, me, to us, the priority is God. And yep. then he is going to manage the finances uh, with you as a steward, right? Absolutely. He's going to put it on your heart where those go. So um, Absolutely. How have, let, let's, I'm going to let you kick it off. How do you think finances and just financial thinking, how have they kind of like, molded you into who you are? What was that like for you as a young man? Um, how have finances impacted your life? So for me, um, my origin story is um, I was a son to a great man. I mean, um, my father was the first person in our family um, to go to college um, and graduate. Um, and uh, he went on to be a NASA engineer. He worked at Boeing for a while um, and he ended up um, having a great career with a, a shale oil. Um, a petroleum company. Um, and he was also a pastor. And so um, I grew up upper middle class, you know, um, in the suburbs of Houston, Texas. Um, and I, I remember we were like the only people on the, on our street with four cars and, and back in the, <laughs> you know, in the yeah. late eighties and the early nineties, you know, to have four cars was like, that was the thing. Um, and my grandfather built an amazing company in Louisiana um, and, and so I grew up where money was, uh, there was, there was some, some big earners, um, and money was just a thing, you know, it's, it's, we, we had, um, quite a bit, we were blessed. Um, 
But I've also got to experience in my young life how money can quickly just go away. Um, being financially savvy and earning a lot does not mean um, that your family is prepared for the loss of that earner. Um, and in my case, my dad was the breadwinner. My mom was a homemaker and um, my dad died when I was 15. Um, he had um, insurance policies set up and um, he had left a, a tremendous inheritance of, of land and property. Um, and there was enough money. The problem was the people who was left to, they were not financially savvy. And so when you give money to people who are not used to managing money, money sure. goes away quickly. Um, and so my dad died at 15. And by the time I was 16, we were dead broke. Like, um, and, and the, the ideas of just paying the house off or putting money in a trust or for tomorrow, those ideas didn't come. Um, and I, I think that, um, uh, my mom and other people, they were just, they were, they're pacifying their grief with material things. And, uh, we ended up in a pretty bad situation. And so, um, I ended up actually dropping out of high school to help take care of my mother and my brothers, um, to work full time. And so, I learned quickly the power of money. And when I was, when I was growing up, it, it wasn't even a thing. Like when, I didn't even know that lights could get cut off until my dad okay. passed away. Right. I didn't even yeah. know that, you know, having a, a grocery budget was a thing. It was just, there was always food. There was always an abundance and then there wasn't. Um, and so um, I learned quickly um, how to manage money, um, how to, how, how precious it was Um when you spend some hungry nights and some nights in the cold, you realize that um, being a good steward of your finances is very important. Um, so for me, that's kind of my origin story. Um, and so as I became an earner in my life, um, I was most of all just grateful um, to to have what God had given me. And so that's given me a lane to kind of um, to kind of have a great appreciation of what God has given me and be generous because I know how it is to be on the side of not having. And um, I know what it's like to be hungry. And so when I see people in need, um, my heart, I have a very generous heart. So um, I believe in tithing. I believe in generosity. Um, and so throughout the years, I think I probably could have um, saved a good portion more of the money that I've earned over the years. But the better thing that I did was invest in the kingdom of God and invest in people. Um, and God is always taking care of me. So that's my approach. I make, I try to make the best financial decisions for my family. And, um, I live my life with the open hand. I'm not afraid of losing, um, what I have because I know God can give me more. I've experienced it in my life. I've, I've been from like, what is money to like, Ooh, we have no money to like, God brings it all back. And so full circle, um, money does not phase me either with it or without it. Um, I understand that God's in complete control, but it is important to have um, a system in your life, tools in your life um, to guide that future. Because I don't think anybody wants to torpedo their family or find themselves in a situation that they could avoid um, not having the information that they need to be successful in their finances. So this kind of just kind of give you kind of a background with me, Jason, how how's your how did, how did you kind of establish your relationship with finances? So for me, um, I had parents kind of in the similar way that your dad provided. I had a mom and dad who worked. Uh, my mom actually didn't for a few years there. Mm -hmm. um, early elementary school, 
kind of kindergarten, she had stopped working and then returned back to the workforce. Um, but just like with your dad, uh, good stewards of their money, um, made quite a bit, uh, probably upper middle class, uh, Mm -hmm. though it's interesting to think about when you're in it, you don't know that's what that means. Yeah. Like sometimes when you're young, you just don't realize the impact that the money has. Like what you're talking about with your dad, I was the same way. Like I was, um, maybe a little selfish with my money and, Mm -hmm. and didn't really appreciate it because, um, it just always came. Mm-hmm. And I am grateful that we never had a season where it just wasn't there. Um, but then as I got older, one thing my parents really pushed was be aware of a budget and the money you're earning. So there was a time where um, I was going to get a car when it was time for me to drive. Well, my parents set up a system where they said, you can match anything that you want. We'll give you a certain amount of money. We'll, and then you can match Sweet. it if you want a better car. Like anything yeah. you want to add on top of it, you can do that. And so um, there were things like that in my life where my parents didn't want me to take it for granted. And I do the same thing with my kids is Mm. uh, God has really blessed the um, stewardship that my wife and I have put into our money Mm -hmm. uh, and the hard work that we have both put in, both in budgeting and then in maintaining a good rapport in the workplace. So you can get those kind of promotions or, um, financial enhancements, whatever those look like, bonuses, things like that. Um, And I would say that's the thing I draw from your story, Warren, is that being a good steward and being responsible and budgeting and tithing, these things that, uh, you know, Jesus talks about money a ton in the Bible. It's the thing he hits on most um, because it is so influential in our lives. And I think that's the key is God will bless it, but we need to be good stewards. Come we need on. to budget. We need to be yeah. aware of where our money's going and why it's going there. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I think generationally, culturally, um, and maybe across all generations, let's be fair, but especially this generation with the internet and the speed at which we're able to receive things and view things. Um, one thing I've seen over and over again as a professor and just in my life interacting with um, people my age and younger is this real, um, the challenge, I would say, mm-hmm. of delayed gratification. Ooh. So are you willing to put off the gratification, the reward of your finances until a time where those finances have increased? Are you willing to sow and then reap later? Yeah. Um, and I think, Culturally, the world is telling us right now, um, make money fast, Mm -hmm. make money any way that you can. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say to those people listening that think those are true things and that that's how you succeed. You can get rich, but that doesn't make you wealthy. And I got to tell you, if you get rich doing something that makes you bankrupt spiritually, um, if you have an OnlyFans right now, Jesus loves you just like he loves me, I'm no better than you, but I would say give it some time and consider whether that OnlyFans is worth the cost. Mm. Um, Whatever you're doing that's making money, quote unquote, the wrong way, illegally, whatever those things are, um, think about that. Give yourself some time, uh, maybe even pray about that. Mm. If you feel convicted, like that's, that's one of the one things I want to make sure we hit on this episode is there are a lot of ways to get finances. And I think, I'm so grateful 
that I have examples in my life that have showed me how to uh, delay a little bit of gratification, continue to work hard while the other money stacks up. And so culturally, that's what I hope for everyone is that if you do have a history of kind of a lack of financial awareness in your family, you be the change. Yeah. Now the challenge of that, and I understand what I'm asking, is that I am, I guess if we had to, I don't know, I've never even said this out loud before. If I had to put a label on it, I suppose I am second or third generation money. Okay. And I don't, I don't really think of it in those terms, mm -hmm. but if I don't think of it in those terms, I'm not appreciating the reward of the hard work of my grandfather yeah. and my grandparents on both sides. So both, interestingly, both of the, my sets of grandparents came from um, both the 757, but the grandfather's coming from North Carolina. Um, I had a grandfather who was a farmer's son and back then farming wasn't like, and I don't know, I'm not even saying it's a huge industry now, but back then it was like you made, you subsisted off of uh, what you made. Mm -hmm. Right. You just ate the food you grew and you sold a little bit of it. And, and my grandfather had to warm up the water he bathed in with a fire. Like he actually had to warm the water. If he wanted soap, they made it out of animal fat. Uh, so there were a lot of days without soap, but it didn't matter because you wake up, you work on the farm again. Um, in fact, back then, uh, my grandfather on my um, Curtis Barber, who was my grandfather on my mother's side, they were so impoverished that he got a partial scholarship to play basketball at NC State because he was playing well in high school and he had to turn it down because um, the, his father, my great grandfather, asked him to stay on the farm and help work it. Mm. So there were all these things that, um, you know, you would say, well, Jason, maybe you do well with money because mm -hmm. of uh, your, your family having money before. Absolutely. But the only reason that my family had money before is because we had good stewards. Come so on. what I would say is be a good steward no matter which generation you are. So because my grandfather worked hard at Sears when Sears was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Let's go he Sears. Was a manager. Oh yeah. He was a manager at Sears. Um, he got stock. I think this was 1983 uh, that he retired. So uh, I wasn't even born yet, actually. Um, he got stock and he didn't really know what it was. So in his mind, it's like, do you spend this at the register? Do you, do you turn in this piece of paper at the bank and then um, kind of cash that out? Like, what, do, what can I trade this for? And so then he had a friend who explained it to him. And so he had like a base level understanding once he spoke to his friend about stocks, but what he decided to do was dive in. Like, I'm mm -hmm. going to research it. I'm going to understand where my money is. Well, my grandfather on the other side, with my dad's side, same thing. Uh, retired from the shipyard, had some stock and like a 401k and didn't really understand what that meant and then got with a financial planner. And so what happened was I we, we began as a family, I'm thankful for my grandparents, they began a legacy of let's build the wealth that we got, let's not spend it all. Mm -hmm. So then as my parents came into the picture, they had enough financial security that they could go reach for the jobs that they wanted. They could go to school. Right. Okay. And that is the benefit, by the way, of breaking those kind of financial generational challenges or curses or however you want to look at it, mm -hmm. is that it allows the next generation to dream a little bigger. Yep. You know, there's a hierarchy of needs uh, called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you fulfill, it looks like kind of a pyramid. And if you take care of the first base layer of needs, food, water, shelter, then you can start going into the next layer, which the, the upper layers, and I don't want to get them out of order, but the upper layers become building relationships, 
Okay. And then dreaming, imagination, you know, things that once your base layer needs as a human are taken care of, Mm -hmm. you can start doing these bigger things. And so I'm thankful to have had grandparents that took care of those base layers so that my parents could dream. And then now it's allowed me to dream a little bigger. And so what I want to do is be a good steward of that uh, in terms of investment and continuing to work hard and make my own money so that we don't have to live off of this investment. So then my kids will be able to dream even bigger, so on and so forth. That's good. So that's kind of, that's kind of my history with money. Um, That's what's up. Let me be clear though. I wasn't great about budgeting because I did take (laughs) it for granted. So that's something I've had to learn is keeping a budget, um, being responsible, not buying everything that you want as soon as you want it. Cause when you go from being able to have whatever you want and then now it's your money. So you're trying to live off of less cause you're starting your career out again. Mm-hmm. There are ways to do that. And some of those ways are delaying gratification and being responsible with what you intake. Do not output more than you intake. So there anyways, you go. I don't want to paint it like financial guru here that never made mistakes. <laughs> no, no, no. I bought, too many pairs of shoes and uh, went to too many, too many movies with too big a popcorn uh, growing up that I should have just pocketed and saved and uh, built up more wealth. But instead I was rich every night that I waited tables and I left with, you know, 200 bucks worth of tips rich. right into some Nikes, man. I was yeah. rich in Nikes. I was rich in, you know, Honda civic stuff. Okay. But, uh, but it wasn't wealth. I feel you. So that's, that's some of my story. I feel you. So we touched on, we, we had some big pieces there. I want to, I want to go back to a piece that not everybody may understand. Right. So we talked a little bit about tithing. Right. And so mm-hmm. this is a topic, right. Um, that new believers, even old believers, it just seems to be controversial um, throughout the body of Christ. It's pretty cut and dry, but it seems to be controversial. And I'll tell you why, because, um, I'm just going to be honest with you. We're real people. Um, um, I'm a minister and I can tell you that um, if you turn on Christian television or if you attend church, you're going to hear about money every Sunday, all the time. It's going to be there. And you'd be like, well, yeah. why? And I'll tell you. Um, it's because um, money can be the root of all evil. It can. And I'm not telling you that tithes is evil. I'm going to tell you that the, pro- the prosper- prosperity gospel mm. um is is a gospel that is not correct, right? There's not a God in heaven that's a fairy godmother, fairy godfather, uh, who just wants to shower down blessings upon you just because he wants to bless you. Does God want you to have good things? Does he want you to have an abundance? Yes, but that's not his main goal for your life. You were created for his glory and his purpose. Um, God, um, he, he does not focus on your bottom line, right? And he often... Mm. He often allows our bottom line to fluctuate to remind us that he's God and our stuff and our securities are not. Right. And so um, we don't give to God to get. I'll tell you, there were periods in my life um, where I was doing well and I wasn't tithing. To be honest, um, there, there are periods in my life where I had experienced blessings um, just were running me down. And I was not um, being as generous um, as I was supposed to. That's real. That's just, and I grew up in the church and I was taught to, to tithe. And when I became a young man, and especially when we fell on hard times, like when we had no food, right? When we had no food, I was not 
um, working my um, minimum wage job and then taking 10% of that and giving it to the church. I, was, I could barely keep the lights on. I'm just going to give it to you real because you're going to hear all kinds of stories. Um, you're going to hear all kinds of examples through church that tells you to give and, and God will take care of the rest. I want you to pepper that with the discernment of God, because I also believe that that God does not bless you or he does not take care of you based upon your obedience to him. If that was the case, we wouldn't be saved. He, he died for us when we were in our sin. OK, so what tithing does for your life, it, it it's a way of worship saying, God, you're first place in my life. You're, 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 the, you're my beginning. I give you the first of what you've given me. I recognize that all that I have comes from you. Um, there are people out there in this world that God's taken care of. They're not tithing. Yeah, they're 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 not tithing and they're not broke. There's some billionaires out there (laughs) that that are tithing and they're not broke. broke. It's not a one for one. But let me tell you, my life is so filled with peace, joy and security because I put God first place. So the one thing you can count on is when you put God first and you give him the 10 percent of everything you have, man, it's like like God gives you something that's not tangible. It's not like. Oh, I can see it when I click on my bank account. Sometimes that happens, but sometimes it happens without tithing. What you get through tithing is the peace to know that God's the one guiding your finances, not me. You see, when I wasn't giving God, when when I wasn't tithing, there was always something on the inside of me because I knew about being generous to God. I knew about putting him first. There was always something on the inside of me like, man, this can blow up any day. I, I can lose this job any day. The I can go check my bank account. It could be empty. I, I feel like I'm not protected. I, I, I was always checking, you know, whatever I was into stocks, whatever I was doing, I was always on edge about, is it going to disappear? Is it, is it going to, I got to make sure I have enough. I got to have six months of income in the bank. I got to do this. I got to do this. I always had this checklist that I had to do because I didn't have a piece about my finances. Yeah. Just didn't have peace. And, and today, as a faithful tither and a faithful giver to the to the local church, and it's the way I give back to God, I have a peace. I don't have to check. I know. I, I know because I've put God first. And even and even if it gets tight, God He operates in tight. He gives me peace throughout all situations. And so I don't want you to think that we're telling you that if you're not tithing, that you won't have money. It's just not true. You. I've lived a life where I didn't tithe and I had money. It just wasn't peaceful money. It just wasn't. And I, and I, and and I had, you know, emergency fund and all this stuff. And it just, there was just something in me that just couldn't, it, it just, it just, it wasn't enough. I never had enough to be comfortable. Now it doesn't matter what I have. I'm comfortable in all positions because I'm connected to the creator of the universe. So I just want to leave you with that. Cause I didn't, I don't want you to be like, Oh my, I, well, tithing is the key to to financial prosperity. There are people out there with financial prosperity who do not tithe. That's just not true, right? It's not true that if you have money, if you have millions of dollars, oh, you must be you must be doing the right thing um, by putting God first. Not true. <laughs> just not yeah. true, right? Yeah. Um, what God gives you through finances is something way better than the world can ever give you, right? Like 
you, you can buy a gun for protection, but you can't buy safety. That's real. Right. You can have the yeah. best, you can have the best, you can buy the best healthcare and have the best doctors, but you can't purchase health. That, that only, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and, and we all are down here with an unlimited amount of time. We don't get any more. Nothing that you can earn or buy can give you more time. So don't wrap your life around how much you earn or how much you can keep, or it's important to have these things in your life, but you have to balance them with your trust and your faith and your belief in God. That's real. Um, I've learned that, that I just, my life just works better when I put God first, right? And he's such yeah. a good God that even when I don't put him first, he still takes care of me. He still takes care of me, but there's the Holy Spirit always corrects me. And he's like, Hey, you're not in line. Hey, Hey, you're not that nagging feeling. If you have, if you remember being a kid, if you're a person who grew up with parents who were strict and you were, know, there was something that was hanging over your head that you hadn't done that you were supposed to do. And you just, you kept putting it off and you're like, I know I need to get this done. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's how living your life without God is. I, I know there's just something missing. There's something I haven't done. Yeah. You haven't, you haven't put the master of the universe first place in your life. And that's what being generous to God is about. That's what being obedient to his word. Tithing is biblical. We stand on the principle. It's not a give and get. God's given us everything. So <laughs> there's no more for him to give us. What we get from him by trusting him, putting him first is the peace of knowing that he's going to take care of our affairs and the things that we do. He blesses them beyond we can ever imagine. And so it goes beyond what we can describe to you. Like, why do you tithe? Why do you, why, why? That seems like if you just put that 10% in a fund somewhere that you can just grow millions of dollars. And some yeah. people do that. Right. Yep. But I'd well, rather, so, go ahead. Go, go, go. No, no, no. You're, you're, I want you to hit the points you need <laughs> Sorry, to I'm flowing. Go. But I'd rather be oh. obedient to God. Right. Because funds go up and down. Even banks collapse. Money loses its value. Very true. Right. But God, he'll, he never fails. He never, he's the, he's the only thing that you can depend on in this life. The Bible tells us that he never changes. Everything else does. He never changes. And so at the beginning of my financial plan, whatever I do with my life, I put God first and the rest, right? The rest I use godly wisdom to navigate life through. Um, and that's why tithing is so vital and so important. I don't want to tell you, hey, here's your financial plan. Tithe and you'll be a window will just bust open because it yeah. may. If that's God's will for your life, it will. But sometimes it doesn't work like that. Right. Sometimes God uses us, our struggles to strengthen our faith. Right. And you can't give your way out of that. You can't buy your way out of that. If that's God's will for your life in that period, you will go through it. Um, and there's nothing that you can do uh, to redirect that. Right. So. Just want to just kind of want to put that out there, Jason. How do you feel about that particular piece right there? I love it. I think the oh, nice hit catch. By the mic. Good. Yeah. Mike's moving. Come on, man. I, bumped I the love stand. it. <laughs> no, we're good. We're out here. Uh, I think that um, there's a saying, right, that uh, everybody's heard or most people have heard. Um, money can't buy happiness. Come on. I always think that's interesting though, because I would add one word to that phrase to make it true. Cause I think money can buy happiness, but that happiness is temporary. Come on. Right. You get that thing you want, 
there can be a rush there, man. I get that pair of shoes I've been looking for. Yep. I get that car that I knew I was going to get at 40 or when I retired or that, you know, all of a sudden you got a Corvette. Um, I think there are ways that we can make ourselves temporarily happy. Money's not going to buy true happiness. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be fulfilling. It's not going to be the thing that defines your life. And I have known wealthy people that are miserable and need advice. And I've known broke people that I want to listen to for advice on. on how to have joy. Come on. So money's not going to bring peace. Yeah. I think that's what we're saying yeah. is money is great for taking care of our families. It's great for handling the things on earth we need to handle. And I think God does want us to be good stewards of those things. Yeah. So you can't tithe what you don't have. So in my opinion, if you're paying your bills and paying your debts, like the Bible talks about, um, you are a slave to mm -hmm. your debtors. So pay your debts, like um, be generous when God allows you to give generously, um, but don't be extravagant. And I think sometimes even uh, there are people who uh, donate extravagantly or give generously mm -hmm. for the pat on the back. Mm. And what I would say is if you're not willing to give privately, come on, then it's a heart posture. It's a heart and I posture. think that's what finances come down to is a heart posture. Um, and it's something you talked about, by the way, all of these things are finite. Mm -hmm. So the U S dollar finite, come on. I mean, it, it is not going to be around forever. I don't know if that blows people's minds or not, or, or some people are eye rolling right now, but it's not <laughs> going to be the go-to currency yeah. forever. Uh, most currencies within the last uh, 600 years haven't made it longer than now we're getting into like one of my hobbies and things looking to financial history, but haven't made it a lot longer than about 120 years, give or take. And yeah. the US dollar in terms of, I'm sorry, in terms of dominance, mm -hmm. like they've been around, but as in terms of being the world's reserve currency, you know, most currencies that you're looking at about hundred to 120 years and it's like a regime change. This country's more powerful. Yeah. At one point, Persia, their currency was about 2,000 years that it was the world reserve currency because oh, wow. their their empire just lasted longer. Um, and so if you think you're in a spot where nothing can happen, but you're not trusting God, something can happen. Yeah. And he, so, so that's the thing is I could lose every dollar, but I still trust God with my circumstances. Yeah. Um, I still want to have the heart of Job. Um, and for those that don't know what we're talking about, read the book of Job, check it out. Uh, by the way, I didn't realize this. Job might be the earliest written book of the Bible. I learned that recently, mm. that it might have even been before Genesis that the story of Job was written down. Um, anyways, fun fact on the church podcast. Okay. So to me, it's all about heart posture. Yeah. And I think there have been times in my life for sure where I had the wrong heart posture, where I thought there's no way God's putting it on my heart to buy this lady a Slurpee behind me at 7-Eleven. And this is a specific story. God put it on my heart to buy it. And I talked God out of it, I would say. And so I got home to my wife, Delia, who loves me and is gracious to me, but always sets me straight. And I said, Hey, I just need to tell you something. I felt like God told me to buy the Slurpee for the person behind me. And I didn't because at early in our marriage, there was times we were near zero in our bank account or yeah. at negative. Like mm -hmm. there was times where we went negative for a few days, you know, those kind of things. And I didn't do it. And Delia looked at me and said, do you think 
then I'm going to be more upset that we spent some money on a Slurpee that we maybe didn't have or that you ignored God when he said, do something. Mm. And it just hit me super hard. And so from that point in our marriage forward, I, in my life have tried to work to be generous. And when God says move, even if it doesn't make financial sense, I do my best to move. Yeah. I do my best to get going, get up and get going. Get going. Um, and so in terms of being good steward for my money, uh, I have done the research, done some time, made mistakes. Uh, but actually, so we talked about earlier in the pod, that's why I invest in Bitcoin. Come on. Uh, and I know this is going to sound, um, I don't mean for it to sound pseudo sacrilegious. Like Jesus is the most important thing in your life. But I think if people do these two things, it will change uh, mindset, heart posture, all those things. I think loving Jesus, understanding him, getting to know him, having a relationship with him, and then buying Bitcoin, those two <laughs> things have given me the most peace Okay, uh, that I could imagine. Okay. So, so that's my advice. That, I mean, listen, if you're a student in my class <laughs> at, at uh, Chowan University where I teach, you know this already. That's my mantra. What's up? You need to love Jesus. But then second, you need to buy Bitcoin because I think Jesus will save your soul. He will save your heart. He will save your peace, your patience. Um, he's going to bring you all the fruits of the spirit, but Bitcoin will save your wallet. That's good. That's good. So, so, so I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to put a nail right here for a minute. It's because I got some questions um, for, oh, perfect. for everybody out there. Me and Jason are great friends. Jason introduced me. He like, I think everybody's heard of Bitcoin. Jason, I imagine at this point, yeah. Jason really has unpacked Bitcoin for me. I had a lot of questions, and unless you have done some some deep research and you want to do it, like you really won't understand Bitcoin. So if you don't understand Bitcoin, you're like, what is this? Um, yeah. Um, Why are these guys crazy and yeah. talking about this crazy thing on this pod? Jason has done some heavy research, and he's done some personal investment that. That, you know, when, I, when we first talk, talking about it, I was like, ooh, you're making me a little uncomfortable. But if you believe, like if, if you've done the research and, you, and you're like, because, you know, it, in, in today's age, we're just like the dollar, the dollar, the dollar, the dollar, the dollar is the world standard. Yeah. It's the, it's the, and I'm a metals guy, right? So um, I've, I, I always was like, man, the dollar's not backed by gold. So I'm gonna buy gold, I'm gonna buy silver. And I want to have the physical um, I want, you know, so if it all goes bad, I still got the physical, but over the years, even precious metals have, have just declined in value, um, with the, the new age ways of to, to recreate rare things in labs or oh, yeah. synthetic Talking things. About diamonds, right? Yeah. yeah the yeah. synthetic things are much better than the precious metals. And like, um, and so just being a good steward of the things you have, Jason explain to us. What makes Bitcoin different than other cryptocurrency and kind of what is cryptocurrency for those who don't know? Sure. So um, I'll start at the beginning. So 2008, uh, a lot of people, most people remember if you're an adult that lived through it for sure, you remember the great financial crisis. Mm -hmm. So in 2008, basically a bunch of banks um, were over leveraged. They over loaned out money for people to get uh, home mortgages and things like that, home loans, mm -hmm. where they knew based on credit histories and things that these people would not be able to pay it back. 
but it was an environment where the government was backing those plays up mm-hmm. so that money could start moving and flowing. Okay. And so what happened was uh, there was no incentive for these mortgage companies or these banks to stop lending. And what happened is it basically revealed chinks in the armor of the American financial system. And when it got too bad, the banks had to be bailed out by the U.S. government. But before that, everything collapsed because when you're not a good steward of your money, whether you're the U.S. government or a normal person, um, you're going to find these fissures, these these cracks in your financial plans that you're not going to be able to stick your finger in, in the dam and make it stop spitting water at you. Mm-hmm. Right? There's going to be more cracks and you're not going to know what to do. So then there was a group. Uh, and, and I, you know, the, the estimation of people is that it was a group because the odds that it's one person, um, are pretty low based on the complexity of Bitcoin, but there was a group of cryptographers, uh, that coined the name Satoshi Nakamoto, which in Japanese means central intelligence, which many people think was like a kind of stab at the U S government or many governments for doing bank bailouts. And, Mm -hmm. um, in fact, uh, and I'll get into blockchain technology in a minute, but in the first block that uh, was put out on the Bitcoin blockchain, I believe it was the first block, there's a little piece of script and and um, there was a headline pulled from an English newspaper that said, Chancellor bails out banks again, something along those lines. And yeah. so it really revealed the intention of this group was, let's build a money that is outside of government control that we can transact with that they cannot manipulate because I don't know if everybody knows this, you can, you will be told um, kind of an infinite number of reasons. You you'll be given hundreds of reasons why inflation occurs. Okay. But the real reason that inflation occurs is governments print money. Money. That's why. So if you think of your house, your parents bought a house in 1970, 1980, and it cost 80 grand. And now it's worth like 500,000. Yep. Well, the house is older and whether you've done improvements to it or not to go from 80,000 to 500,000 and the house hasn't changed sizes. It hasn't done this miraculous shift in either geography or the physics of the house. Right. Um, Barring some miracle, the house isn't worth more. Yeah. Like you wouldn't pay more for an older car. So what is it about houses? Well, houses maintain their value as a percentage of the money printed. So the higher inflation goes, you feel more wealthy because you own this house that you bought for low, except the challenge is cheeseburgers went from 10 cents to $3. So now everything in your life costs more when it should cost less. We're in an inflationary system, not a deflationary system. But with the amount of technology we have, things should be deflationary. Let me give you one more example. Shoes, cars, things that are mass produced Mm -hmm. on an assembly line. Why, in real terms, like actual terms, would a car cost $30,000 today when it cost, you know, what, $300 in 1910? Hmm. Because in theory, they are easier to make now. They're easier to make now. Yeah. What's the, so then why did they call you telling me? Yeah, right. Like what's the difference? It's the amount of money printed. That's the percent that has been dictated that you spend on that car, give or take. Yeah. Uh, And different companies can name their prices. I know there's semantics here, but that's the general idea. So this group, Satoshi Nakamoto decided we're going to make a peer to peer 
electronic cash system. And we're just going to call it Bitcoin because it's a fun name. Like you could call Bitcoin anything. Mm -hmm. And so it was the first cryptocurrency that was tried. And you asked me, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. This is the, the most simplest version I can give. And I promise you this is true. <laughs> Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency. Everything else was trying to copy its success. Mm -hmm. The difference between Bitcoin and those others, there is no central power okay. that controls or dictates what happens to Bitcoin. Because Satoshi Nakamoto in those early Bitcoin forums yeah. in about, two, I think it was October of 2010. Sorry about the history lesson if the dates are wrong. But at some point around there, Satoshi Nakamoto posted on a forum, we're leaving Bitcoin now. It's yours. And that was the last anybody ever heard of that group or that person. And they released the source code. So now Bitcoin core code is available to anyone that wants it. Fun fact. Warren, you and I could start a new Bitcoin. We'd have to call it something different. Yeah. And then people would have to decide whether they join the network or not. And you said you liked holding physical gold. Mm -hmm. So for those people that like physical things, how about this? There is a physical computer network that over the last 15 years of Bitcoin's life has established itself to be the most powerful network of computers on earth. There is no network of computers that is bigger or more powerful. Wow. Uh, it, it produces so much electricity that cities can use it to balance their grids. But that's the thing is because it's so powerful, no one person can make changes to it. And every other cryptocurrency from Ethereum on down, there is at least one or a small group of people that can make arbitrary changes whenever they want. Mm. So those things, while they may get you US dollars and shift them and change them, they're not going to revolutionize the world like Bitcoin will. Mm. And so when I put my money in something, I want to be the best steward possible, like we talked about before. And the grandfather that I mentioned before that learned about stocks, he taught me how to do stocks. And, and if I'm being honest, I saw all these opportunities in these other cryptocurrencies because they were worth less money uh, in like 2020, 2021. Yep. I invested a bunch and lost a bunch in cryptocurrency mm. and I couldn't understand why because I'm so smart. I thought I knew all of it. I looked at the trends. I looked at all these um, kind of offerings that these cryptocurrencies, they were going to make social media networks. They were going to yeah. make cryptocurrency exclusive games that were going to make you more cryptocurrency. But I never stopped to ask myself, if I'm making a return on a stock, well, I know that company is producing iPhones because I buy Apple stock. Yeah. As more people buy iPhones, I get more. Well, these cryptocurrencies were promising all these returns just for saying, I'll stake. And what that meant was I'll put my cryptocurrency aside so you guys can hold it and you'll give me more. It's basically like a treasury bond with the US government. Yeah. Well, like where are they getting that money from? They're not producing anything of value. Yeah. So where are they getting where and and if this helps people that are listening, don't think of it as producing money. Think of it as producing value. So in order to get more value from something you hold off on, that thing has to produce more value along the way. Well, these cryptocurrencies like it was just a few people promising things they weren't delivering on. So where was the value coming from? They were fictionalizing it by electronically making more. They mm. were inflating just like the UN, they US inflating government it. inflates their money. Yeah. So that's why Bitcoin is different is because there's no one group of people that can make changes. Um, it is an unhackable computer network. So Bitcoin essentially is money that no one can steal from you and no one can change the value of arbitrarily on their own. There is no central power, which in an interesting way, 
again, this is where I, I avoid saying it sometimes because it sounds sacrilegious or something, but seeing Jesus and how revolutionary he was and wanting to be different versus a, you know, uh, other religious leaders or, or even the Pharisees at the time mm -hmm. that kind of helped me mentally for me having inroads into Bitcoin, like, Oh, this thing is revolutionary. This thing came to actually help people where all these others are kind of attacking or manipulating or using goodwill and hope to mm. trick you. Uh, Bitcoin just does what it does. So okay. anyway, I can get deeper into the technologies if you want, but that's kind of where the illumination came for me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so now, that, now that we've got kind of a foundation of what Bitcoin is, right? I'm going to ask you like the, this is the question that I would, that I think I first kind of was like, okay, so, so what's going to make Bitcoin valuable going forward? We already know it's an unhackable network. Um, it can't yep. be changed. So how does it, how is this value going to keep pace with current inflation and how, like, like how was Bitcoin going to operate in this um, kind of like, what's a roadmap ahead for Bitcoin? Why, um, sure. why have you personally kind of like invested and, and why do you kind of like um, disciple people, you know, that's, you know, just kind of like, like show people oh, and is. teach people like, Hey, yes. you, you might want to pay attention to what's happening here. Based on what's what we're seeing happening with the U.S. dollar, what do you see Bitcoin doing in the future? So the difference between Bitcoin and everything else is actually enforceable, protected scarcity. Hmm. So gold, yep. as precious as gold is, its value is only in, in its scarcity. And I think it was in 2021, some year like that. It was either 21, 22, somewhere. They mined as much gold as they had ever mined from the previous like 1840s to 2021. So gold is not as scarce as we think. In fact, you guys can look this up. NASA is making plans to go mine on asteroids. And they've found a couple asteroids that they think will have trillions of dollars of gold and precious metals and um, gemstone type of qualities. Wow. So those things we think are scarce as technology gets better. Yeah. They're not. Got the it. difference is the computer network that Bitcoin has creates actual, it's kind of miraculous. We created digital scarcity. We created enforceable digital scarcity. There will only ever be 21 million. And by the way, for my Bitcoin lovers out there and maxis and who are not, I shouldn't say lover. Like I'm not a Bitcoin lover. I just believe it is the technology that's going to change uh, a lot of people's perspectives and change the world. Um, there's slightly less than 21 million. It's something like 20 million, 900,000, 900, you know, um, and somebody who's deeper in that, that kind of history of the technology would tell you, but roughly 21 million. It's a little less than that. Cause that's how the math checks out. Okay. Um, and what it is, is the value of Bitcoin is it is a ledger that cannot be changed. So you make a transaction, it goes onto a digital ledger and every 10 minutes, um, that ledger is sent out to everyone that's running a Bitcoin node. Think of it like a computer that's tracking this ledger. And so maybe a computer network can hack one of the nodes, like one of those computers, and they can change the ledger. But what happens is those other nodes say, nope, we don't recognize this transaction mm -hmm. ID. And so I've used this analogy a few times. Bitcoin is kind of like a Swiss bank account. Um, it is an account you hold. You can spend that money anywhere it's accepted. 
It doesn't matter if it's in the U.S. In fact, El Salvador is the first country that made it legal tender. So right now you can go buy a house in El Salvador with Bitcoin. With Bitcoin. And you pay no capital gains. They treat it like currency. They don't treat it like an investment. Hmm. Uh, And it's kind of both, which is really interesting. I mean, it has a lot of cool properties. And maybe we do a whole Bitcoin episode someday where I get into all the, how it's a store of value, a means of exchange, and a unit of accounting Mm -hmm. because of the ledger. So it's like the first triple point asset. And I didn't coin that phrase. It's actually... um, Peter Dunworth that did that. Um, He's awesome. Australian dude. You guys can look up his stuff. But anyway, that's some of the research I've done that helped me feel at peace about someone being able to manipulate this and take the value um, of what I'm holding. Like, I really think it's going to change the world because it doesn't care. Mm. I know I say this a lot and it's funny to think about like you could try things and Bitcoin doesn't care. Every 10 minutes, it produces another block on the blockchain. And that's what a Bitcoin miner is, is someone who's solving an equation. So those cryptographers I told you about that called themselves Satoshi Nakamoto and invented this thing, they created an equation with a difficulty adjustment. So the equation gets harder and harder and harder. So you need more and more computing power as the time goes on. Um, And so you said holding physical gold, right? And you like it because it's physical and it feels safer because you can physically have it. Well, Bitcoin kind of is the same thing. It's just the physicality is in the electricity expenditure and in the computers that it uses. So it technically is backed by something physical as well. Most people don't know that. Mm. Um, whereas like these other, so there's other cryptocurrencies and I don't want to poke fingers or, you know, whatever, uh, call people out. Um, they're proof of stake. And all that means is you own some, mm-hmm. so you, you get more. Or you own some, so then you help the network. Proof of work is what Bitcoin does. You don't get any unless you expend electricity. You don't get any unless you're running a computer. And here's the crazy part. If all the other Bitcoin miners except one, just one on earth was running, it would get the block reward every 10 minutes. So a little bit of Bitcoin gets released. 6.25 Bitcoin, right? And there's a thing called the halving. Again, I don't want to get too far in the weeds. Every 210,000 blocks on this blockchain these confirmations that are coming from Bitcoin miners, it's releasing Bitcoin. Well, that's a, that, that amount, that reward for running your computer gets cut in half every four years. And what that does is make sure there's incentive to keep doing it, mm. right? Because if all the Bitcoin is already out there, the miners would have had no incentive to run. So it's really a beautiful yeah. protocol, Bitcoin wow. is. Um, so for me personally, and I have family members that have done this. And, and um, as someone who's invested in Bitcoin, this is kind of brave because I think in the future, yeah. admitting that you own Bitcoin could become a controversial thing, but I just want to be open and honest with people. And if it helps even just one person feel more confident, uh, feel free to, by the way, reach out to us, comment on these things, ask us questions. But um, I have family members and myself, 100% of our retirement holdings are in Bitcoin. Wow. Not 99%, not 90%. So there's something I say to my students and as something I would say to you, if you're listening to this pod and you Warren, I mean, I know you're like this. I know you're a man of conviction, but um, would you believe what you believe if no one else believed it? Ooh. Like when you believe in things, do you believe in them? Do you believe, yeah. Or do you believe in them? Cause other people, other people have verified them. Yeah. Right. For me, no matter what happens, Wow. No matter who else does. Yeah. 
I'm just going to keep holding my Bitcoin. Wow. Wow. So I got this, I got this question, right? Um, yeah. And it kind of plays off of what you just get, what you just said, right? How does your faith in God help you to navigate a place like Bitcoin where people will be like, ah, oh, that just, ah, uh, that does your faith play a role in your ability to be able to have the discernment to say, yeah, this is solid. Yes. I've checked this out. Yes. We're going to go this direction. Even though the world's saying this direction, I'm going to go this direction because I feel my, my peace about my finances belongs in God. And therefore, right. Therefore mm. I can believe what yeah. I believe regardless if people are like, Oh, he's crazy. Cause people, I'm sure people heard you like, a hundred percent of retirement, you're not diversified. You don't have a little bit of stocks, a little bit of this, a little bit of Bitcoin. You're like, I'm all in because for yeah. me, I'm all in on Jesus. That's it. I'm all in. <laughs> right. And yeah. so it's not like, I'm like, Hey, I'm 50% a Christian. I'm like, you know, 25% this and the rest is, sure. you know, rainbows and unicorns. No, I'm all in. I'm all in for Jesus. Um, he's the, for me, he's the only way to live your life is for him, through him, through the word of God. And so when you say I'm all in that, that for me, that just excites me. And, and for people who are listening, I hope it excites you because it shows the faith, you know? And so Jason, if you can kind of just touch on that, how did you get from zero to a hundred and where did your faith come in with that? Yeah. So I think the quickest way to answer it, uh, the most succinct way is to think of it as scarcity. Come on. So what does, you know, or how many things exist that are actually scarce? Mm -hmm. And I would argue, so there are a lot of Bitcoiners that say time, yeah. right? Your life, you have one chance and then Bitcoin, that's it. Yeah. I would say three things. And the thing that kind of connected the dots for me in some way was I have one life. Mm -hmm. So I need to make the right choices. I have to, I have to sit on podcasts with Warren Brown and be a part of this because it's amazing. And like, I can spend my time any way I want, <laughs> but guess what I can't have back is this last hour. Yeah. I can't redo it. So I'm thankful to be spending it this way. Yeah. So every choice I make, you have one life. Yeah. Also, there's one commodity that's scarce. It's Bitcoin. You'll never have more than 21 million. If you buy a piece of that network, all value tends to go to one currency, tends to go to one thing like the US dollar is doing that now. Um, that's going to be Bitcoin. And so... I'm willing to look a little crazy mm. in how I spend my money and my time investing if it means a reward in the end. Wow. And it's going to. I believe that it will. Wow. And in the same way, I'm willing to look a little crazy with my faith. Come on. Because I believe in the scarcity of one with Jesus. Let's go. So he's it. And, and I love you if you're listening to this, but I got to tell you, Buddhism won't get you there. Hinduism is not going to get you there. Uh, meditating hard, doing yoga, um, trusting money, trusting friends, trusting people, being a good person, helping old ladies across the street. None of that, None of that. is scarce. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. And so Jesus saying that helped me better understand scarcity. And so that's the thing that kind of drives everyone. Like, wow. I don't know if people know this, when you dump money in your 401k, there's stocks and there's a limited amount of stock. So you have Apple, Microsoft, Google, Facebook. And by the way, 
just so I have it said on the pod so people aren't listening like, well, this guy, he doesn't know anything about all this stuff. I understand a 60-40 portfolio. I understand 60, 60% stocks, 40% treasury bonds. I understand what an evenly balanced, uh, divisible portfolio that you know you diversify in your 401k and, and you make sure that you own a little bit of real estate, you own a little bit of this. The difference is, I'll put it to you like this. The difference is, I would never trade a gold bar that I own for seashells. Mm. And you're thinking, well, what do you mean seashells? Well, seashells were at some point the most valuable currency on earth. And then it changed to gold when we realized scarcity was important, right? Durability was important. Well, there's nothing more scarce or durable than Bitcoin. So I'm not going to trade my Bitcoin for your seashells. Come on. And right now, the US dollar is operating like seashells. They're going to print more. People are going to wonder why things cost more. Mm -hmm. They're going to listen to MSNBC, CNN, whoever the talking head is on Fox. They're going to listen to these people and say inflation is because of this politician on this side or this politician on the other side or this war or man, oil costs this because Saudi Arabia did. Yeah. Inflation is because the units of measure of value, the dollar in our case, are more quantity. Uh, quant- <laughs> There's a higher quantity. Mm-hmm. So then everything is divided by that quantity. Mm. Well, the nice thing about Bitcoin is you can divide everything by 21 million. Mm. Because right now, I don't know how many US dollars there are in circulation, but you can divide everything by that number and then they print more. So then you're dividing everything by a bigger number. So it's infinity divided by infinity, which is, I think, one or so. I mean, it's just like mm-hmm. this. You could just go on forever. Yep. You could do this math forever. forever. But imagine being able to divide all value on earth by 21 million and you will see the future that is Bitcoin. And imagine then having Bitcoin, passing it to your kids and going to heaven because you believed in the other scarce asset, which was Jesus in a relationship with him. Come on. That's how I got where I'm at. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Jason, you've dropped some, you've dropped some nuggets on us today. There's, there's a lot to consider in what we've been talking about today. I'm in, I'm in. And I hope that, (laughs) I hope that, I hope that you guys are like, if you're not in, do the research for yourself. Like, um, even as we minister, we talk about God, don't take our word for it. Right. Let's be real. Right. Let's be real. Yeah. Do the research. Try God for yourself. Also, as we talk about finances and tools that we use for the future, do the research. Bitcoin deserves you taking a look and saying, hey, man, it must be something. What is, is what he's saying is true. Look at look into it for yourself. Here's what I want you kind of take away from what we've talked about today. Number one, keep God first place in your life, period. Don't put money above God because he 100 percent. He is, he is God over everything. And also recognize that God has given you the ability to make free choice. And this information, it's not a mistake that you tuned in. It's not a mistake that you're here. So also hear what God is saying to you through the words that we've given you today. And so with, with that, we're so grateful that you tuned in. Jason, I'm going to ask you to pray us out because I yeah. believe uh, in the power that God has just He's used you to speak into my life and many of our friends. And I'm so grateful 
um, that you are sharing this with us because you could just keep all this information to yourself. And um, <laughs> yeah, we, we just want to we want you guys to be blessed and we want to be real with you guys is, is we're, we're in a world where our the financial systems of the world are falling apart. And here comes this thing out of nowhere. Right. And um, crazy faith. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Sometimes it takes being uh, being seen as the crazy one. Come on. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, man, God, I just thank you so much for today's pod. I thank you for um, ears that are open, minds that are open to what we're saying, to the information we presented. I thank you for um, hopefully giving me the words to say that help illuminate some of these things for people and prompt more conversations and more research um, and just more time with you first reading the Bible and then more time considering how finances and tithing and being a blessing to others uh, through offering and giving, how those things impact everything. Um, every single person, every single voice that hears me right now, bring that person peace, bring them um, financial peace, bring them wisdom in their finances and bring them just the energy and time to spend uh, learning how you can impact their lives through finances and through a relationship with you. Jesus name. Amen. 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 Woo. Let's go. So good, man. So good. All right, Warren, man. Episode three is a wrap. It's a wrap. Uh, love you, buddy. We'll, we'll uh, see you guys on the next one. See you guys soon. Thank you for tuning in. All right.